0: Hello, I'm Will Yeoman, and welcome to another episode of the pod Well Travelled. And I'm joined again, as always, by the wonderful travel editor of the West Australian and West Travel Club, Stephen Scarfield. Stephen, welcome back to the pod. Hi, Will. Our wonderful colleague, Penny Thomas, who's just back from New South Wales, She's got, she'll has got she be on later in the show talking about short breaks and visiting friends and relatives, all the kinds of things that people are, are doing now as they're just getting used to being able to travel freely interstate. Um, we're also going to be talking to Dean Leibovitz uh, from Selena. I'm really
1: interested to hear what, what Dean has to say um, about the whole sort of digital nomad era and uh, the way they've set up their property to cater for that, I think. But um, yeah, so look, I've, I'm looking forward to Dean talking about Because, you know, you're hearing about the world from a different
0: perspective. Exactly, exactly. And they've got properties all around the world. And the reason we spoke to him is because they've just opened two new ones in Melbourne, one in St Kilda and one in Flinders Street and they're about to open another one in Brisbane. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. But anyway, you've you've got some exciting news of your own Um, because you want to talk about Africa.
1: Yeah. You know, we're used to, um, we're used to the world being uh, strange and confusing over the last couple of years but I'm really, was really quite taken by surprise in conversations with people in the travel industry that, you know, one of the big booking trends for 2023 20, is Africa people mm. for big trips in Africa um, wildlife culture safaris some mixing in train travel as well and um, so we we kind of responded to to that with an Africa guide which I've just um, finished writing I'm very excited about that I've been in touch with all my friends over there and updated myself and they're all back in business of course and at the safari camps and the guides. And, and of course, the uh, <laughs> it's a strange thought that the, the wildlife has just been kicking away and doing its thing for the last two years, uh, as it always has, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, although we've been distracted by the pandemic, you know, your average um, lilac-breasted roller is still just doing its thing. So, anyway, um, looking through the countries, it's really important with planning Africa to... To be seasonal, to be very sensitive about seasons, um, because you know obviously the wildlife responds to that. If you take, for example, you know the the very famous migration north of the zebra and wildebeest mm. um, through the Serengeti from Tanzania up to the Masai Mara in Kenya, um, you know that that's specifically timed following seasons. Um, the same with you know after the rains. Come, you know everything's green. So Zambia, Botswana after the rains is fantastic, of course. And then as it gets really hot towards the end of the year, sort of October by November, it's hot. But everything compresses around waterholes, so you sure. see a lot of wildlife around waterholes. I had this experience in Zimbabwe where I was watching just this huge day around a waterhole, and it rained overnight. And when I got up in the morning, everything had gone. So oh, it's wow. you your everything just vanishes. So very reactive to those uh, events. So, yeah, just thinking through the whole of that. And I might just add, actually, Will, that in partnership with Imagine Holidays, we've, we're we putting together a, um, a, a travel club tour for Africa next year. I haven't actually got the dates because we're still working on it, but it'll mm. be in the sort of second quarter of next year, early-ish next year, but before halfway, before June. And it, honestly, it's just been the best thing because I literally wrote a wish list. I think, mm. I think one of the tricks with Africa is not to couple up too much, particularly, if, you know, we're, we're based in Western Australia, particularly if you're, you know, close to Africa as we are it doesn't have to be a one-time thing. You don't have to do the massive Africa no, exactly. experience. We, You know, you can go in, and, and for anyone, you know, just just think in terms of, I mean, you don't, most people don't try to Europe in one go. You know, there's 55 member states of the African Union now. To me, Africa is, is as complex and varied as Europe. Mm. And, you know, my first, thought for this moment is Zambia, Botswana in terms of stability and security and safety, all those things you know, um, fantastic wildlife. My first thought, or my second thought I should say is to be on the Chobe River, see wildlife there. So just thinking through where we would go and how we'd do it um, has been just tremendous fun. So I wrote a list which is all my favorite things, mm. basically that's become the itinerary. So it's, it's, it's ter- I feel terribly privileged <laughs> to write out a, a kind of dream list, and then someone says, Oh, yeah, we'll put that together for you.
0: Well, right? you and know, then, know how people, mean, people always jokingly say, Oh, you and, must have the best job in the world, but it actually sounds yeah. like it right now.
1: Well, yeah, and, and the next stage is, you know, to be able to then share that with yes. people, you yes, know, to be able to take people and share those things is, is, is a separate and another privilege. So, so we're just putting that together. Um, that will be announced first in its in its full glory with dates and price and all that stuff on uh, westtravelclub.com.au. And we always release those things in e-travel, uh, our digital edition, which comes out on Wednesday to your inbox. And you register that simply by going to westtravelclub.com.au, click join. And on the left side, just give us your first name, your second name, and your email address, at westtravelclub.com.au, and that means that you'll hear about all these things before it even goes to print. Um, and they do fill quickly, so that's quite a, an advantage. But I'm I'm just stoked about. Even just thinking
0: about Africa for next year. But but for, that, so, for those for those listeners who are based in Western Australia, you have got a, a quite a substantial Africa guide coming out in this Saturday's West Australian travel section, haven't
1: yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. I've been through really all the prime spots. Well, north and south, you know, Egypt, Morocco, yes, yes. Um, Tanzania, Kenya, um, Rwanda with the gorillas, of course, Uganda, the other side of gorillas and chimps, um, and then the sort of sub-Saharan. Africa, as I mentioned, you know, from Namibia, Botswana, um, Zambia, into you know the Victoria Falls, just into that edge of Zimbabwe. There's been a big conference going on about ivory in Zimbabwe mm, this week. Mm, so I've been following that, and then and um, South Africa, you know, as a, a sort of Cape Town is is probably the most important part of that in the Western Cape, um, but you know, there's a big uh, re- refurb going on for Kruger, Kruger National Park. They've just put three thirty-three million dollars aside into Kruger, and mm. um, you know, there's a reason that Kruger is, you know, uh, Southern Africa and certainly South Africa's most important national park. You know, is because it's fantastic. You know, the wildlife mm. is fantastic, mm. and uh, there's lots of ways you can stay in Kruger. Um, this is a lot of the refurbishment that will go on is to the. Uh, South Africa Parks accommodation there. So while lots of people will stay in private game parks um, and lodges, I should say, um, there's also um, accommodation through SA Parks as well, which is right. interesting. Goodness. Well, oh, look, you see, there's, I'm excited.
0: There's <laughs> a, oh, yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> well, look, now for something completely different, as they say. Uh, we're going to have a chat with Dean Limbivitz, as we mentioned. He's the destination director Uh, for Australia and New Zealand, for Selina. And you know how we were talking about, well, how how do we define Selina? Well, as it so happens on their website, it's got just that, what is Selina? And they say, we're glad you asked. So briefly, Selina provides guests with beautiful places to stay, travel and work abroad indefinitely. So there you go. I think that's that's quite intriguing, isn't it, Stephen? Indefinitely. It (laughs) is. It's a very different attitude, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, so let's hear from Dean right now. Okay, so as we just mentioned, it's my pleasure to welcome Dean Libivitz, who is Selena's destination director for Australia and New Zealand, to the Podwell Travel. Dean, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Now, I was going to ask you about um, giving us a bit of an overview for those of uh, our listeners who don't know what Selina is about, you know, the philosophy and what goes into a typical Selina property. But I, w- I was reading up on, on your biography, and I can see that you really have been living that philosophy th- for the last few years, at least until you've uh, come back to Bondi. So what, what, what can you tell us about your introduction to Selina and how that sort of progressed through the years?
2: Yeah, so I, I was actually, um, I was living overseas like, between New York and LA. I had my own business um and most of my work and everything i was doing with that business was kind of done remotely i didn't have an office we had a team that was based in new york la mm. sydney and i was working remotely um i i sold out of that business i managed to, to exit it was a startup of my own and i heard the the Selena founder and the, the president at the time pitch me on this concept of of kind of a lifestyle travel network where you can work and play and meet and do it from the beaches of panama um and and it just kind of swept me away in, in, in a matter of minutes. And then a month later, I sold my car and moved out of my apartment in LA, basically downsized all my stuff and flew to Panama, moved to Panama to join this crazy Selena movement um, and help them expand. At the time, they had two properties in Panama. Mm. Um, and then when I left in 2020 to come home to Australia, they had over I think it was over 75 properties in across 16 countries. Um, now it's at like over 135 properties across 25 countries, mm. um, and it's really gaining a lot of traction and movement because of this philosophy. Um, and I don't think I've even explained the philosophy yet, but basically Selena's mission is to inspire authentic and meaningful connections with um, people, places, uh, and cultures all around the world. Um, and and the product is really designed for this this new age, millennial, Gen Z, or anyone really, Digital nomad, people who can work remotely, people who want to work from anywhere, um, and and really inspire, you know, adventure and this kind of authentic travel experiences. Um, so, in the typical Selena property, as you mentioned, um, that, like to say typical Selena property is, is kind of funny because there is no one Selena property that is the same. They are all Yeah, so I, I got diverse, that impression so
0: looking on the website. They're all very unique, aren't they, by the looks of things?
2: Yeah, they're mm. all distinct and they're all unique. So, I guess that's probably your typical. Property is the uniqueness <laughs> of them all. Of they all have the same offerings. They're the same core-based offerings. It's accommodation, um, and that ranges from like stunning suites and private uh, standard rooms all the way through to community rooms. Um, and we've even got some, some in certain properties around the world, glamping, teepees. We uh, recycled these old cylinders and turned them into a really crazy room concept. Um, on top of the accommodation, food and beverage, We've got cafes, bars, restaurants, nightclubs, some music venues, um, and then everything as well. And what really pushes this kind of new space is that all of them have co-working spaces. Um, we all have wellness offerings, whether it's yoga studios some gym classes and hip training, uh, meditation decks. Um, we offer a very robust event and programming um, menu across all the different properties and very conceptually unique to that location. Um, as well as explore tours and transport. Some places we have recording studios and radio stations. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy concept, a very wide product offering.
0: Look, it sounds fantastic, um, but I, I can already see one huge problem, if you don't mind my saying, and that is this sounds so amazing that when you talk about co working and working remotely and digital natives, well, to be honest with you, I think you'll be too distracted from your work.
2: Uh, you you'd say that, um, <laughs> and, and it, it's very easy to, to think that, but I actually find myself in a much more productive state when I am kind of in that free-spirited free, free uh, headspace. Um, it's less, you don't feel the weight of your work on top of you. You feel like you're just kind of moving through life very seamlessly where there's work and life is one kind of congruent
0: thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, no, that, that's fair yeah. enough. I think that really makes sense. Look, I, I'm really interested to know how you guys wrote out the pandemic and, and how this whole concept of working remotely, which we, we all had to do, and in fact some of us like myself still do, really, really strengthened that um, approach that you guys already had and 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 the the idea that you really just don't need to be living in one place or even working in one place to do your job.
2: Yeah, so, so like... I don't think the pandemic necessarily changed anything. This shift mm. was happening well before the pandemic. Yes. Um, if anything, the pandemic was the catalyst to take it into the forefront of people's minds and, and make it realize that it's a real possibility to live this way. Um, so, yeah, there's no, there's no secret that the way in which the work has changed. Obviously, as you said, we can work from anywhere with internet connection. It doesn't even have to be that good the cleaners all have great internet connection with mm. the big philosophy about <laughs> um to and then what we were seeing before that especially in the younger generation um there was trends like much lower home ownership lower marriage rates later parenthood and then you combine this with their, like an adventurous kind of experience oriented approach to life and you see this shift really coming into the forefront but, like in 2016 and this is Early early days in, in Selena, we were pitching these ideas of remote work and digital nomad. Mm. There was a guy named Peter Levels who was saying, and he used those kind of trends to, to make a prediction that in 2035 there'll be one billion digital nomads and remote workers. Mm. Um, and this was laughed off. It was it was the kind of thing that everyone's like, yeah, mate, whatever, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's a, it's a great idea, but like, come on, let's get back to, to life. And then as you said, come 2020. All of a sudden, there probably were a billion people working remotely <laughs> around the world. And all of a sudden, everyone's gone online and they're like, wow, this is possible. I can be productive. I don't have to spend time commuting in and out of an office. Mm. I'm not going to just check in at nine and leave at five. I wish those were my hours. They're definitely not. I'm pushing much harder than that at the moment. But um, y- yeah, so, so that idea of, of working in a very regimented, rigid environment is, is people are dropping that as a, as a concept. It's not necessary. For me personally, I like to plan my day around um, around the surf report when the tides and the winds <laughs> and the swell are doing something and then I'll work around that. And it's possible to do that as well. You've got
0: priorities sorted out,
2: um, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess ha- I guess the question is how did Selena respond to this? We were already doing it. We were leaning into this. It's, mm. it's more our products. We were there before we're building the product for this world, which is really great and really exciting. Um, you know, kind of like striking gold. In a, in a real sense
0: of it. No, absolutely. Now, can, why don't we step right back to, say, the late 80s and the 90s when, you know, the, the World Wide Web, the internet, was just starting to kick off and look at the way that that combined with digital technology has really made all of this possible. Because if you think about it, none of this could be possible if we didn't have what we have today.
2: Of course, and that's, that's the real driving force of it, the technology that enables it. So there's the obvious, there's you've got emails and conference calls and, and mm-hmm. things that can allow you to stay connected with your team. Um, and that's obvious. I, I still am like, it's beyond me how people back in the day would have had to work pre-email and then sending letters and contracts and things like that. It's, it's, it would have been much slower. We're working at a much, much faster rate now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I think beyond those tools, there's project management tools. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton of them out there that really help you track Goals, KPI, like, like, like uh, and
0: Monday, and those kinds of um,
2: exactly. There's a ton of them out there, um, mm. and they they. I think it's now it's much less about as I said, clocking in at nine, leaving at five. That shouldn't define your work. It should be output and project based. Absolutely, fine. absolutely. Um, mm. What what is the actual quality and uh, and and you know end product rather than how many hours did you sit at your desk? Mm. Um, so I think that is that's probably. The big, the big changing factor and, and why, as you said before, you think productivity might decrease in these places. I think it increases because all of the nonsense around office work and traditional office work is kind of pushed aside. Um,
0: yeah. Also, I mean, you're absolutely right. You think of productivity. If you've got those kinds of offerings, particularly the wellness offerings around you and at your fingertips, you ought to be more productive because it gives you that really quality downtime, doesn't it, in between?
2: Working. 100%. Um, and it's, it's, as there's, there's a ton of studies out there that really show how a, a much more balanced lifestyle and, and a clean and clear headspace will improve your work. You don't need to you know sit there grinding away stress and all of these things and these external factors kind of you know cl- clouding your judgment, clouding your decision making, clouding your um, you know your ability to work cleanly and if you're waking up in the morning surfing, and doing a yoga class and then by nine o'clock you're sitting on your computer with a with a freshly brewed coffee from Costa Rica. <laughs> I guarantee you now you're, the way you approach your work will be with much
0: more positivity absolutely I, I'm, I'm completely there with you now um just thinking about australia now as you said you've got so many uh, properties and so many uh you know locations around the world now but um recently you've uh, come into melbourne with the uh, just just across from flinders street station and in particular st kilda two very well known very iconic um places uh in in our australian consciousness let alone anything else um so how did you guys, first of all, decide that these were the places you were going to get into and what are the benefits?
2: Uh, yeah, like to begin with, I think Melbourne has the coolest cities in the world. And this is coming from me, a Sydney Sider. <laughs> yes, um, as well they're saying a lot. It's a bit controversial. Definitely one of the <laughs> Yeah, and people, as they hear this from Sydney, will be like, doing that. Um <laughs> So, yeah, no, it's one of the coolest cities in the world. And I've also travelled to like LA and New York, so it really is saying mm, something.
3: Mm. Um,
2: the local Melbourne communities are filled with like, forward-thinking, down-to-earth creators, makers, artists, cultural trendsetters. And I think, in definition, that is Selena's audience, and that's the mindset of Selena's audience globally. Um, and, and why we would have chosen this, we, our philosophy is to really connect these local communities with our travelling communities as well, and they kind of both make up our audience set. Um, so that they can immerse themselves in these local cultures. And, you know, what better culture to surround themselves with than starting off with Melbourne, um, both St Kilda and Sinterk Street. I'm actually sitting right now in the, the, the Melbourne, Sinterk um, Street location the central Melbourne. Um, yeah, and it's alive, the city. It's It's got a heartbeat again.
0: Oh it's fantastic really nice. to hear. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm heading back there next month, so I'm really looking forward to it after about two years of not being there. So
2: Bring bring a jacket.
0: <laughs> <there you> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Now yeah. as you're in Melbourne and um maybe to finish with, we we can't not talk about street art. Because you guys are really into the idea of um, commissioning works, aren't you, in various destinations?
2: Yeah, yeah, in, in, various, in all destinations. Mm, um, mm. So so part of the way Selena kind of enters a new community, or enters a new neighbourhood, um, first of all, the way we start is we, we don't claim to know exactly what needs to come and sit in this neighbourhood. Mm. We almost claim ignorance in that regard. So mm. we build a, what we call an experience board, which is... Basically, an advisory board um, of, of, like I said, local cultural trendsetters and people who really define the makeup of that neighborhood. And they give us uh, all the advice on how to concept and how to how to really approach the property. Mm. That's the first step. The second step is we bring in and we find a team of local artists and makers and people who can do, obviously, the, 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 the murals, but repurposing, reusing, recycling all the old furniture and the assets that we've just acquired um, to create really... Unique one-off handmade art, um, mm. and then you walk through the laneways and things of Melbourne. It's everywhere. Mm. It's, it's definitely something that defines the look and feel of the city. So we've incorporated that. I wish I could turn on my, my camera for you. I'm sitting in, in our basement um our basement bar and listening lounge. We have partnered with um it's on in Campbell Parade on the sorry, in Campbell Arcade underneath Blinder Street Station. Oh, yes, is this yes. beautiful old arcade. I know it But now. that's actually going, yeah, that's actually going through some restoration work over the next two years. And it really was over the last 40, 50 years that it's been built since the Olympics in Melbourne. I think that's almost coming on 60 years now. Mm, mm. Um, it's been like a cultural home for a lot of the creators. They do art shows there. They've done events down there. Um, and there was a record shop there called Wax Museum. Mm. Uh, that's like an iconic, you know, vinyl record shop. They were displaced. We've moved them into this downstairs um, basement underground bar, and now we've got this like seamless bar experience with a record shop in the middle of it. Um, so that's another way beyond the, obviously the murals and the artwork that we bring that local culture into our spaces, and it's it's really really cool. Down.
0: Well, that here, sounds like incredible. There. Look, look, you whetted my yeah. appetite. I'm going to have to drop in when I'm in town. You'll have like to come good.
2: come for one of a, either our <laughs> vinyl DJ nights <knives. laughs> or but uh, yeah, a lot of live music happening down here.
0: Fantastic. Well, look, Dean, I mean, I think um, as a sort of a, a holistic approach to work, to travel, to wellness and, and networking and so forth, it sounds like Selena's just sort of really covered all the bases.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think the Australian audience, and we've got such an adventurous Australian and traveling mindset here, uh, it's, it's, to me, it seems like a no-brainer uh, for the Australian community. Since I started with Selena, this is back in 2016, mm. it was my dream to bring the concept here. And it's finally happening, oh, and we're yeah. going to open. We've got we've got three now: St. Kilda, Melbourne City, and Brisbane City. Oh, fantastic! Um, but within the next five five to six years, you're going to see. I'm hoping at least thirty across Australia oh and New Zealand. So, mm, mm. so, stay tuned. Keep an eye out. Um, okay, so maybe maybe here in Perth. Then? The <laughs> oh, for sure. Perth <laughs> is definitely on the list. We've got up north in in Western Australia as well um, on the on the card. Mm. There's there's yeah it's a, it's a matter of uh, when not if
0: incredible really. okay David. look it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show yeah. you, have a, you enjoy thank Melbourne you so and um, good luck cheers. with it. cheers thank you thank you for having me Oh look, a fascinating guy, look—he's only in his early thirties, and he's just done so much. Puts me to shame. But 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 Stephen, I wanted to know what you thought about this idea that the pandemic has probably accelerated what these guys were already doing, which is the idea that you just don't need an office.
1: Well, it's just it, yeah. So it's a very different way of being, isn't it? I think you know, fundamental to this is is companies approving people for permanent remote work. Um, so you're on the remote team, and from then on, yeah, you, you're completely unleashed, aren't you? It's
0: mm. just,
1: it's a different way of thinking, working, being productive.
0: And also, I mean, I, I did ask him, I said, aren't you distracted by all these fabulous sort of offerings that you're surrounded by, you know, and not not to mention the, the sort of the natural environment and so forth? And he said, not at all. He, personally, he finds it much, much easier to concentrate and much more productive to work in these kinds mm. of environments. Mm,
1: it's so interesting, it's just a, Anathema to the old, you know, big open plan office with a lot of noise and distractions.
0: And and very difficult to concentrate. Stuff that goes yeah. on
1: there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting, and I'd say it's a it's a different world, really, isn't it? For no, exactly. People who are who are immersed in that, I I think it's very exciting.
0: So to move from Victoria to New South Wales, as I mentioned earlier, our colleague Penny Thomas is just back from New South Wales. Um, this this whole idea that we're still in that stage where we're really just catching up with f- getting back in touch with family members, with friends whom we might not have seen for, a, for two, up to two years in some cases. This is pretty much a yeah, thing, exac- isn't it, at the moment?
1: Yeah, exactly right. Mm. It's, it's worth sort of saying to the audience that you know we're very kind of focused on the way we approach things, and certainly within Australia, VFR as we call it, business friends and relatives is it's really you know kind of the trend of the moment what's happening at the moment is you know grandparents catching up with grandchildren mm. and families and, mm. and that means extended stays so we're then focused on things that you might do if you're visiting and staying with family for longer than usual it'd be nice to have a couple of days away and give everyone you know a little bit of breathing space go and see some things nearby mm. but then come back and enjoy the family so You know, so we actually think these things through and certainly that's what Penny is is going to be offering
0: offering us now. Mm, Absolutely. Penny, how are you doing?
4: Yeah I'm good thanks Will.
0: How are you? I'm very well thank you. Now I believe you've just not not that long back from uh, a quick trip over to New South Wales and um, you know Stephen and I were talking about this whole idea of you know um, people catching up with, with friends and relatives as being one of the primary reasons at the moment at least for travelling and as it so happened you did get to do some of that while you were over there.
4: Yeah exactly. I think um, Sydney especially is I think a lot of people know someone that might live there if you're already living in different parts of Australia. So um, it wasn't too hard to find people to hang out with. I had um, (laughs) my sister over there and then my aunt in the Blue Mountains as well, which was really good fun to also catch up with them um, and also experience different parts of New South Wales at the same time. There was sort of a lot going on, um, particularly in Sydney at the moment, which is good.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, sorry, before you get to Sydney, I was going to ask you a bit more about the Blue Mountains because that is such a spectacularly beautiful part of Australia, isn't it?
4: Oh, it's amazing. And I had never been there before. So Mm. I was, um, yeah, really intrigued to see what it was like. And it's only sort of like an hour and a half out of um, Sydney. Mm. So I just got a hire car and um, went there one morning, which was great. And it is about five degrees cooler Mm.
0: than
4: Sydney. But I thought this time of year – yeah, you really want to take some, some nice sort of, uh, warm clothes.
0: Absolutely. Uh, but
4: yeah, it's a very interesting sort of pocket there. It has sort of been through the thickest things. the different areas of the Blue Mountains as well over the last couple of years. I mean, Dilpin really was hit with, um, the fires mm, and then, mm. you know, COVID and then there's the floods as well. So it hasn't been an easy sort of time for a lot of different operators there, but it was good to check it out. Um, when I was there recently, Um, the the weather was actually really, really nice. It was cold. It did rain a -hmm. couple of times, but it wasn't too bad. Um, And, yeah, um, it's a beautiful part of the world there. Uh, I got to stay at a relatively sort of new hotel, which is the Kaya Boutique Hotel. Okay. Um, And that's in Blackheath, which was really, really nice. It's got a real sort of Palm Springs vibe, which is cool. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, there's lots of different walks that you can do. I checked out the Three Sisters. I even went to... um, place called sublime lookout which my aunt had never actually been, but going there with her for the first time was really cool too she just couldn't believe <laughs> how amazing that the view was so even people that are sort of in that area um might not necessarily go to all these popular sort of tourist sites but it, it's definitely worth worth doing
0: no absolutely so and just remind listeners that you'll be able to read a, a lot more about this um as we look forward to your features in the west australian's travel section Yes, exactly. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so until then, let's go back to Sydney. What did you get up to there?
4: Yeah, so Sydney was um, really great. I got to check out the new Kimpton Margot Hotel, which is, um, it only opened earlier this year, and it's the first Kimston to be in Australia, so okay. it's, it's pretty nice. It's actually, um, the hotel's building is this beautiful sort of art deco property that um, used to be the old Sydney Waterboard building, and it's... The way that they have done the interior and, and each, all of the hotel sort of rooms are really beautiful. And it's, for me, it was just the perfect place to be staying after, you know, as, as travel sort of reopens. It's sort of flippy and it's glamorous and it's, it's mm. right in the thick of, um, right in the heart of the city. It's along the Pitt Street. So there's lots of stuff to do nearby. And, um, yeah, it just sort of, has all the things that you would sort of expect from, you know, a nice five-star hotel, which is um, oh, wow. really nice. Yes. And, yeah, I guess it's also going to be the um, official partner for the Moulin Rouge, the musical, which is coming, coming to town. Mm. On, I think it actually starts on May 28th. So, so, yeah, very soon, which I couldn't think of a, a more perfect partnership. So that's really oh, interesting. Absolutely. Exactly. Is. If someone wants to check out that, then um, that hotel is also definitely worth checking out. And from there, I did—I actually did something that I have never done before, which was do a behind-the-scenes tour of the Sydney Opera House, which was really um, interesting. I mean, it's such an icon, the building, but to really go behind the scenes and, and learn more about it, its history. I think um, every, every house has a story, and, and the Sydney Opera House has a <laughs> spectacular one. Well, so there
0: uh, are a few houses that are bigger than the Sydney Opera House.
4: <laughs> no, I mean, it's such an engineering sort of um, marvel, really, in itself. It's, um, so yeah, I really enjoyed learning about the history there and then also how they're sort of um, refurbishing the building with all the sort of architectural principles that came from the first the architects mm. that worked on the project. So it's it's very interesting to see how they're bringing it up to, to today's sort of times as well and, and what, what they need to do. So that's always worth checking out. And um, I found it fascinating that the Vivid Festival,
3: yes. which is
4: um, the Festival Light, Music and Ideas, that's starting this week, I think, as well mm. in Sydney. And for the first time um, in its history, they will be projecting sort of uh, digital artwork on the Sydney Opera House sales. And that artwork is actually done by the Matu artists, which are a collective of, of women um, artists that are based in the East Gilbert region. So that's yeah, yeah, quite sure. um, interesting that a bit of WA will be projected on <laughs> the Opera House, <laughs> <laughs> which is beautiful. But yeah. Um, and then the other thing I got to experience was the Biennale of Sydney, um, which was all about uh, rivers and wetlands and other salt water sort of ecosystems, which was really beautiful. And I went to the Museum of Contemporary Art to check that out, but there were different um, artworks around the whole city,
0: which,
4: yeah, um, which you can notice and see, which was really interesting as well. Yeah, it's
0: such a great time, so, at Sydney, the Biennale. Actually, just the way they showcase so many different parts of it. Yeah. I, I remember one year I went and I went to Cockatoo Island where they had some amazing exhibits on there as well. So they really do get around.
4: Yeah, no, it is beautiful, and especially um, you can you can go to Brangaroo and there's a few different artworks around there mm. as well, um, which is good to see. It's, it's really interesting that that place in itself. I do that um, Aboriginal sort of cultural tour and just learning about the history of Brangaroo as well was um, really quite eye-opening for me. And definitely sort of, you learn a lot more about what they're doing there in that sort of landscape as well. Um, and the botanic um, sort of garden area there is also really interesting. So there's lots to see
0: and do at the moment over there.
4: And oh, of course the um, arch board is still on as well. So if you are into art, <laughs> you can also check that out. That's the um art galleries and stuff
0: yeah, like Yeah, no, that. no, of course. So that's, that's amazing. Did you by any chance um, head down George Street? Because I'm really interested to know what it's like after all the work they've been doing on it. And it's been a bit of an opera for a few years before it was completed.
4: Yeah, no, George Street, um, that seemed to be back in business when I was there. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I actually went to um, lunch around George Street, which mm. was really beautiful as well. But yeah, things, for me, I mean, there's still a bit of construction going on around, Sort of the CBD, which is, I think, happening sort of in every capital city oh, at totally, the moment. Yes, but yes. Um, yeah, so it was it was really easy to get around. The weather was friendly, so that was that also helps. But yeah, it is it is lovely just walking the streets of Sydney as well. There's so many old, beautiful buildings um, that you can, you can sort of take in and and just enjoy as well. And nothing's too
0: far away. Yeah, um, that's one of the great acceptable. things about Sydney for sure. Okay. Well, look, it sounds like you packed a lot in and had a wonderful time and um, I guess we'll have to uh, enjoy this experience vicariously through your writing. Which yes. Amazing. <laughs> and photographs, of course. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sure exactly. A good <laughs> photographs. Well, thanks, Ben. It's been <laughs> great having you back on the show and I'm sure we'll be talking again before too long.
4: Wonderful. All right. Thanks, Will.